Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. If you like what you hear, subscribe so that you don't miss any great programs and leave a review. I love and appreciate those. Thank you so much. And you know, I like to start with a quote of the day. So my quote today, I think, is rather appropriate. It's by uh, Michael Singer, um, author of The Untethered Soul. And it's, there is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. Absolutely love that. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to first start by introducing our amazing guest today and I guess give a little bit of an intro on how we got to know each other. It's funny, I was talking with a friend of mine who was a guest on another one of my shows and we were chatting. He said, you know what, I have a, a great person who... I thought was you for a long time because she has your name and she'd be a great guest on your show. I'm like, what do you mean she has my name? So he introduced me to Heather Hansen Wickman. So she has most of my name. So Heather Hansen Wickman, PhD, successfully climbed the corporate ladder in healthcare before charting a new path to support senior leaders in evolving their leadership and building a thriving growth culture. She specializes in organizational change and executive coaching, through which she has coached leaders on evolved business practices, deep self-awareness, and leadership development. She's also the author of new book, The Evolved Executive, The Future of Work is Love in action. I absolutely love that title and I can't wait to hear more about it. I'd like to introduce Heather Hansen Wickman. How are you today, Heather? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I do have to say it is a little weird using my own name this whole time, but it'll be fine. How about you <laughs> giving a little bit more background on on you and, and how you got to where you are today? Ah, uh, yes. Happy to. So it's it's an interesting story, and um, I will give you the abbreviated version, but as you're, you stated in the intro, I did start, I've been in healthcare my entire career, and it's basically all I've known and, you know, resonated with the industry because the values of that type of work um, are really core to, you know, helping people thrive, especially in moments when they're faced with extreme fear and anxiety oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And was in a variety of healthcare systems and uh, climbing the corporate ladder in the way that I uh, always had dreamed. And so I'm a pretty significant analytic. And so I've got a plan for everything. And, you know, I work for my plans to work out <laughs> and got to this point in my career where everything started to crumble and my plans no longer worked. And I was what I thought at a point in my career where I had just been offered my dream job, literally doing this type of work. So leadership development, cultural initiatives in a large organization across two locations that are just incredible. And everything in my head said, Heather, this is fantastic. Like, congratulations. And my friends and family were just, you know, super supportive. And yet there was this nagging component within me that you know, was unrelenting. That just was, Heather, you can't continue on this path. There was so much suffering and toxicity in my, kind of in my workplace. So seeing it in my colleagues, seeing it in my direct reports and seeing it also in my bosses and actually got to a point where 
I resigned. So I had this dream job right in my hands and just couldn't do it. There was just a larger calling that said, Heather, you cannot do this. And so that set me on a really interesting path of kind of self-reflection and trying to figure out who I was in this world and led me to start uh, Untethered Consulting, which is my consulting firm. And out of that was the book that was birthed. And it really is um, this this journey I've been on in terms of trying to help organizations um, shift their paradigm from a fear modality to a modality of love. And so that's a little bit of my journey and hopefully gives you some context for, for where I come from. Oh, wow. I, I absolutely love this. Of course, a million things are, are flying for me right now, synapses here, <laughs> right? So um, the first one is that what you were talking about, how you felt inside resonates very much for me. I, I actually run into, personally, it resonates, but also um, I run into it daily. I think that a lot of people, a lot of my clients say, you know, on the surface, I should be happy. And those mm. shoulds and that, that you know, perception of what everybody else thinks or, you know, what you, what you maybe even had thought it was going to be. But if that little voice inside is, is nagging or you're, you're just not feeling it or, it, you know, it's calling out to you, when we listen to that, that's when real growth and, and real satisfaction comes. So I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And, I, and I'd like to delve a little bit more into that. But um, the other thing that stood out for me was this element of um, helping businesses move from fear into this coming from love with their actions. So I, I want you to tell me a little bit more about that first, because I think that's probably a little bit foreign to them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and, I, and understandably so. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, organizations have been designed uh, in a way that really fosters fear. And whether we recognize that fully or not um, is, is kind of the path that we're on. But if we look back, you know, the Industrial Revolution, Revolution and scientific management is all about, you know, widgets and command and control. And our organizations just haven't evolved at the speed in which we as humans have evolved. And so we're, we're having conversations with leaders about, okay, let's look at some of our practices and some of our actions. And are they based in command and control, trying to keep people um, kind of bound up by our policies, by our rules? Or are we giving people the autonomy and the freedom and the flexibility to actually utilize their own potential? Mm, and I love that. Yeah. And in that mix, I see the shift from when we pull fear out, we create a vacuum. And so we need to refill with something. And, and I know that love has a lot of baggage, especially at work. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's the truest word for what I what I intend. But to refill our workplaces with you know, the sense of caring, the sense of joy, the sense of uh, intimacy that we actually care about one another. And so those are the conversations and they are foreign. And I think more people long for that than what they realize. And so it's been a really um, enlightening journey to be with my clients along this path for sure. 
That's fantastic. And I, and I know you're, you're right in that the words that you're using, that you're choosing to use are words that will scare away a certain <laughs> percentage of potential clients, right? And, and I'm totally good with that. And I know that you're good with that. But that's something that sometimes scares people because they want to <laughs> be, you know, available to everyone. And that's so not the case when you can really, you know, be authentic, use the right, the words that you feel and that you believe in. And, um, then it's going to draw the right people to you, not everybody, but the right people to you. And I'm a firm believer in the fact that I don't think that courage is the opposite of fear. I think that love is the opposite of fear. And I love your term. How did you say it? When, when you take fear away, it creates a vacuum and you need to fill it. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can apply to our listeners if they're in the corporate world or not. It Mm -hmm. could be our entrepreneurialist. It could be just anybody going through any kind of a fearful change can get that visual. And I love it. Yeah. You know, along those lines, there's an interesting misconception, I think, when we talk about love, that it's just this kumbaya, that it's Mm. all positive, that it's, you know, love and light and sunshine and rainbows. And at the end of the day, if we look at our light, look at our life, love is sometimes really hard. Um, Having difficult conversations that you actually assume positive intent and care about another person is a really hard thing to do. And it is love. And so those are sometimes the more meaningful conversations with people to understand that tough love is a part of this conversation and it's not easy and it's not the thing that we've always been trained to do. And so there are some big challenges as we move into this space. Oh, I'm sure it, it's, um, it just strikes me the word vulnerability comes up. Yes. That it, it, it's a great place to go, but it is a place most people go kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're talking to these leaders, these these corporate leaders, you know, what what do they think about this whole concept? And, and, you know, how does fear play into it? What's the conversation like that look like for you? Yeah, you are absolutely right in the in that when you put love in the title of your work or your book, you do create a great filter. So mm. the, the folks that I work with are, tend to be the folks that are at least okay about having the conversation. And so, you know, we oftentimes begin with, you know, a challenge that we're facing. So organizations that are going through maybe a, a culture change initiative or they're trying to improve team performance, we mm. tend to start there because, you know, as you know, and, and likely the listeners know that, Um, When we can put our teeth into an actual problem and kind of problem solve it from a place of fear or love, it gets a lot more traction than just talking about it kind of at an academic level. So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll dive into a problem and then we'll oftentimes begin to uncover what are some of the underlying beliefs that are based in fear that keep us where we're at. And then we get to strategize in terms of, okay, insanity would be doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result. So how can we shift the strategy and infuse it more with love or care or joy, whatever the word is that feels really true for that organization or that leader? Um, And so primarily what it looks like is very initially problem solving centric Mm -hmm. um, and then being able to strategize in terms of how do we build some love into this? Oh, that's great. And I, um, you know, it's funny, I, at the same time that I was being drawn to to part of what you said during your intro, another part was like, oh, that's kind of foreign to me. I want to remember to ask her about that. And that part is, 
the the planning side. And this is purely from a, a you know, everybody has different personality styles, right? Mm-hmm. And I wish, I long, I strive to be more detail planning organized, <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, I just kind of broke down and said, maybe I should just hire people who are better at that because I, it's just not my forte. And so I need to stay in my element of what am I really good at, right? (laughs) But how, like, that must really help to have both sides of it, to have that organized strategy side, as well as the, the, the feeling, I understand the fear, and this is what we need to do with it, to be able to combine the two. Have you felt it to be really, really helpful with the work that you do? Oh, (laughs) I wish. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, there, there are components of my personality from the planning analytic perspective that are very, that's very useful in the work. Um, but it's also one of my biggest limitations as, you know, a human, as a leader. And um, because that, that really diligent planning person within me is the, the person that's most afraid of ambiguity and uncertainty. And whenever we're moving through change, those are the two things that are most forefront in our daily interactions. And so that planning part of me shuts down change really quick because I can't navigate through the unknown um, in the way that my brain knows how. And so I've had to really retrain myself and give myself a lot of compassion for um, letting that part of my personality relax and really being okay with sitting in the ambiguity and the fear. And my sense is, you know, your personality can probably sit in that space a little bit better because yeah. you don't have some of those natural tendencies to, you know, plan everything out and get a little neurotic about, you know, how it needs to go because that's not how change works. And um, oftentimes fear can gain control over you through those mechanisms. So I wish it was a part of my personality that I really cherished, but it's a part of my personality that I've really had to work with and, and letting go more to allow the change to move through me. You know, what's really interesting as you say that is I, I do believe that sometimes the things that are our absolute strengths end up being our Achilles heel from time to time. Right. Right. Yeah. And especially if they're, um, you know, kind of um, extreme in, in within <laughs> us, right? I mean, I know I have some of those things too. But for the listeners out there that have that same issue of um, needing to let go and needing to be okay and sit with the fear, did you have any specific strategies that you could share with them? You use the word compassion for yourself. So I love that. Can you give a little bit more on that for people? Yeah, absolutely. I have a tremendous amount of empathy for folks who are in a similar camp as I, because I think, um, like you said, it's a strength that has brought us a lot of success and it's not going to get us to that next level. And so what I've realized is a couple things. Um, one is incredible self-awareness. So being able to see our own reactions and our own habits when we get scared of the unknown or the uncertainty. And so for me, it shows up in maybe withdraw. So I pull back from a situation because I can't navigate it or I get into like hyper question mode. And those are the triggers or the um, the little indicators for me that says that I'm in a reaction mode. I am not serving myself here because 
a part of my personality is scared. And so the first thing would be um, really keen self-awareness around your triggers and then being able to move into that place of compassion or self-love to say, Heather, you're okay. The reaction that you're having is okay. And we're just going to hang in here for a little while. And the biggest thing for me is when I was initially moving through this kind of retraining was just to be present, not to try to change anything in that moment, but just to be present and just say, okay, I'm really uncomfortable. Um, And so it's awareness, being present. And then the next step for me was choosing a new action. And so whether it be, okay, let's move forward. I don't have all the the answers here, but I'm going to move forward. I'm going to take the next step. And so I've learned that there's a little sequence for me in terms of how that path works. Um, And some of my clients have different sequences, but Mm -hmm. it tends to usually start with self-awareness. I think that's really, really important. And it it kind of leads back to the quote that I had mentioned in the beginning is that Mm -hmm. sometimes we have the, you know, when you're immersed in in the thinking and the feeling, um, that's one thing. And then there's a whole other level of presence and growth when you kind of can step outside of that and see yourself thinking Mm -hmm. and feeling. And that awareness is really the thing that can help you is the only thing. I mean, if you don't have the awareness of it, how are you going to change it? Right. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. definitely the first step. And then having the compassion that we're okay. You used, you know, a phrase like that, Mm -hmm. you know, you're okay. You're, you're good just the way you are. You just, let's just sit with this for a little bit. I think is something that every single, I know I, that that's very helpful for me to hear those words. And um, I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners are also taking that and going, you know what? It's okay to tell yourself that you're okay. We we oftentimes wait for that external validation right. from somebody else telling us that we're okay when really you can't control that. There's nothing that you can do about that. You don't know how authentic it is or isn't. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. to be able to give it to yourself is is really powerful yeah i've got uh (laughs) it's it's crazy to share this with everyone but i will because it's important to me i've got a little post-it right next to my my little office here that says dear me it's okay to be scared oh my gosh i love that (laughs) it's huge to give yourself permission to be scared because the moment that you do um it lessens you know, you can see it for what it is versus it being this wrestling match within you. So, Heather, it's okay. It's okay to be scared. It's absolutely okay. And I, I find that I can move so much more quickly through different changes um, if I can keep that mindset. That's fantastic. That is a great tip for people. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, now, you know what I find really interesting? You have a, a very impressive background and education and you just totally downplay it (laughs) so you know like there are people out there that'd be like oh yeah definitely tell them this and tell them that and make sure you don't forget about this you know but share a little bit more about how that was for you again you know going through the educational journey and and how it's helped you and um you know what you've learned yeah um it is something that I that I don't bring up often and people have asked me about that prior, you know, working in healthcare, it was always interesting. Having a PhD was was a little bit of a, a joking point for most of the physicians that I work with. They're like, oh, you're, you know, you're a PhD, but you're not a doctor kind of a thing. So I, <laughs> right. I think I learned just to, you know, I'm Heather, it doesn't matter what's behind my name, but uh, the, 
the educational process for me was transformational in so many ways. So I, I kid that the PhD was, um, you know, personal head damage or professional head damage. Um, <laughs> from the perspective of going through that process really shakes you to the core in terms of what you can achieve and what you can realize at the end of it. And it requires that you do shed so much of your old belief system. Um, so I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it was one of the most, uh, taxing processes that I've ever gone through. And I guess I chose to do it really quickly as well, uh, which is maybe in hindsight, something I would change is <laughs> you can take your time doing some of those things. Yeah. And that's interesting because for, um, for people, it can be different. So for you, that educational journey was one of kind of climbing a mountain and learning a lot because it was a difficult process. But um, it doesn't have to be that educational journey for anyone out there listening. It can be any uh, process that you're putting yourself through that challenges yourself, that's, that stretches you outside of your comfort zone, um, that you're purposefully doing to enhance your growth and who you are like I really want to just acknowledge that we um still want to be aware that we're perfect just as we are but that growth process yeah and how much you learn of of who you can be keeping those values and and the core strengths but also just to be able to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation on a regular basis um provide you with a, a lot of comfort and confidence in the end. Yeah. Because you can do it. Absolutely. And it's it's actually put me on this path of, and it's kind of a life path now of accelerated personal growth. So the thing that I love the most in my life, in my own development, is anything that I can do to accelerate my growth. Mm. Um, because I, uh, I've been on a path previously where you can plateau for years and kind of get to that place where your growth kind of stagnates. And so today I, I jump into things, you know, head first that I know will significantly challenge me that will really push my head into spaces that it hasn't been before so that it, it allows my heart and um, kind of that spiritual part of me to lead more fully. And so it has been an really important part of who I am. And exactly like you said, you know, um, love who I am today. And I feel like I'm perfectly, you know, in a place where I need to be beautifully broken, all of those things. And I think I'll continue on that path from a perspective of, I will constantly grow and learn and evolve. Awesome. That's great. Thank you, Heather. Um, I would like you to share either about Untethered Consulting, which is such an awesome, cool name, or about <laughs> your book, The Evolved Executive, some like strategy that you have that you think would be a great takeaway for people. Yeah, so it, I'll give an example that's a little bit um, intermixed between the book and my consulting practice. So uh, as you can tell, you know, and probably in your own career, people are drawn to people that feel like they're on a similar path. And mm -hmm. so people gravitate to me who are also in these transition places where they, they're needing to move through a change, but are stuck and everything that they've tried in the past isn't working. 
And so one of the key practices that I use and would um, use with almost all my clients and use in my own life daily is called the immunity to change practice. And so it gives us an opportunity to look at a big challenge that we're facing that we've tried to fix or tried to overcome in the past but haven't. And we go through this process of looking at the hidden beliefs, the hidden commitments and the assumptions that we hold that keep us where we're at. The thing that I find so fascinating is that, you know, we've designed our life to get the results that we're achieving. And so we need to be able to unlearn some of these behaviors to get a different outcome. So the thing that I would say is um, immunity to change is from that book. So it's it's out of Harvard from a few professors. So I would definitely recommend to check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that dives deeper than the surface. It's not easy work from a change perspective or a coaching perspective, but you actually have sustainable and thriving change at the end of the process. And so that's a practice that, um, you know, I stand behind completely in our ability to change and evolve and be more progressive leaders. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the world needs. That's fantastic. And you know what? It Once again, I'm thinking alignment because it seems to me like the intellectual version of that vacuum that we started with on the emotional level. You know how when you take the fear mm-hmm. out, you're leaving the vacuum for love to come in. It's the same thing when you remove some thought process or limiting belief or mm-hmm. something that's been holding you back. You need to replace it with something else, right? Absolutely. So first you have to acknowledge the limiting belief that's there that tends to be subconscious or you wouldn't keep it, mm-hmm. right? So you have right. to work them on that and then to find new strategies, new patterns, new things that you can replace it with. Is am I is that what you mean with what you're doing? Absolutely. It's okay. so true. We have to, yes, unlearn and then be very intentional about the new behaviors and the new beliefs that we put in. And again, exactly. I would come from a place of please let's put more love into those spaces than fear. Yeah, I think that's that I'm sure that the clients that you work with must have some really powerful shifts as they're (laughs) working through the change. Um, You know, why don't we just take a moment while we're talking about that for you to share if someone has an interest in reaching you or learning more about you. And I think you have a a special offer for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So if anything of this conversation has been of interest, please check me out on my website, which is simply untetheredconsulting.com, and you will find my email address there. And if you mention the Fear to Fire podcast, I would gladly give you a free consult and we can dive into some of these contexts or some of these ideas a little bit more personally relevant to you. Wow, that's that's very generous because I know, you know, you Time is our most precious resource. So to be able to share your time and expertise with our listeners is quite a gift. Thank you for that. So I can't believe how quickly um, the time flies by. (laughs) Um, So before we wrap up, do you have any, you know, any lingering thoughts or words of wisdom about either a personal story of an example of how fear shows up for you or some words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with people or both if you like? <laughs> yeah. You know, absolutely. I will will share a bit about my biggest learning in this whole process in that You know, fear is a very powerful motivator in our lives, and it's often underneath the surface. And we think that we need to go about it alone. And my biggest aha recently has been that personal growth is really a team sport. 
And so having a support system, having the psychological safety of colleagues, of friends, of coaches, whatever it might be to help us move through together is one of the most critical elements I'm seeing to successful change. And so I would say in the moments when you feel like you don't have what it takes to move through change, ask for help. And I can attest that asking for help is sometimes the hardest thing that we can ever do, but it's likely your key to your own success. And so don't go it alone. Um, we need support system and let's, let's find that support in others around us as well. That's fantastic. I love that phrase, personal development is a team sport. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I do think that 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 moment when people most want to isolate, when they most yes. want to pull back, is the moment when you most need to ask for help. And that is a really um, precarious place where people will fight you. Um, and so, yes. you know, what what do you what do you do to kind of tell people to keep going. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting scenario because e I, I try not to push too hard because people yeah. are moving though in the process that they need to. And so my coaching is always to ask for help, you know, tell me what you need. And if folks withdraw and cannot do that, I'm completely okay with that as well, because they're moving through the process that they need to move through. And oftentimes they will come back to me a month later and be like, I really need X, Y, or Z. Granted, I will oftentimes um, with my active clients, you know, uh, continue to outreach to prod them a bit in the direction where I feel like they need to grow and to push themselves. But at the end of the day, they are moving at the exact pace that they need to. And that's perfect. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's bringing us full circle to what we started talking about, about how we are exactly where we're supposed to be. Exactly. Timing is everything. Mm -hmm. That appreciation, it sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time today and some great words of wisdom and nuggets that you have for our listeners. Thank you so much, Heather. Oh, thank you as well. I appreciate it. You mm -hmm. take care. You too.